Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to the Business of You. Adrian Hill is today's guest on the Business of You. Adrian is the founder and CEO of a company called Build a Life by Design, which is exactly what Adrian aims to help her clients do is building a life by design. Adrian does this by helping other online business owners create and launch summits and challenges as a way to market their business and grow their list. Adrian deconstructs how summits and challenges work. So if you've ever wondered how these marketing tactics work behind the scenes, I highly recommend you tune into today's episode. Adrienne's got a very interesting personal story too, which she shares in today's episode. She was actually a chemical engineer for many years before she got into uh, managing multi-million dollar launches for Fortune 500 companies. She launched her own business in 2020. So hasn't been too long, but Adrian is a massive success in the online world. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Business of You as you learn all about challenges and summits. Adrian, so great to have you on the show. It's always nice connecting with a, a real life friend for an interview. I love it. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to spend some time with you. Me too. Me too. So, you know, we met just a couple months ago at an event at a mastermind we're both involved in called Kairos, which um, which has been great. And I, one of my favorite things about it is I think it's really done a great job, that program of attracting like-valued people, especially yes. around, around our faith. So, uh, yeah. If you're so, a faith-based entrepreneur, it's a place you need to be hanging out. Yeah, absolutely. So you have such an interesting business model. I've, I've, had my own business for 15 years. And while I've heard about summits and challenges, I never quite understood them until you and I collaborated on on a project recently. And before we talk about summits and challenges, I would love for you to share your backstory and how you became Adrian Hill and launched your own agency. So what were the the early days like? Were you a, a young entrepreneur or did this was this something you fell into? Yeah, it's interesting. I actually built a really successful career in corporate America. And so I was a project manager and I managed multi-million dollar launches for billion dollar brands. And so launching was my jam. It was my zone of genius, you could say. And I actually found that career to be pretty satisfying. Um, I felt pretty fulfilled with that. But the minute I hit 30, there's something that happened. It clicked in my brain. I don't. I can't really explain it. I was just done working for someone else. I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to work how, when, where I wanted to. Um, And I just, I didn't always want to be a slave to someone else's schedule, someone else's priorities. 
I just really wanted to work for myself, but I had no idea how to do that. I actually started in network marketing. That was a dumpster fire of a mess, but that's where I learned all the things not to do, right? Mm -hmm. Equally important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Pivoted into affiliate marketing. Um, From there, I started creating um, online courses and then I eventually evolved those into coaching programs. And then I eventually evolved a lot of what I teach in my coaching programs into done for you services um, that we offer through our agency. So it's, it's been an evolution, Mm -hmm. you could say, um, basically over the last 10 years or so. Okay. Before you were launching these billion dollar brands, which is great experience, had you worked in an agency before? No, I was actually a chemical engineer. Oh, okay. So totally different background. Uh In fact, it's the kind of background that you, you wouldn't really peg someone to have an engineering background and then move into like business strategy, marketing, branding, any of that kind of stuff. But I've always had this creative side that I felt was untapped. Mm Mm-hmm. So even while I was in that engineering job, I found gigs all around the town I was living in to paint like life-size murals on walls of buildings and things like that. Because I, there was this side of me that just felt Mm -hmm. like untapped, like I was not completely fulfilled. Right. Um, And then as I kind of got into the online business world and started building out all these cool funnels and experiences that people could go through, that's that's when I was like, oh, this this is what I've been looking for. And I could see how the engineering background would actually come in very handy in the work that you do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like as a project manager, you know, I really started when I, when I, when I finally like slipped into my zone of genius and stopped trying to just do what voices were telling me out in the world in the echo chamber of online business. And I really sat with it and I was like, but what am I good at? Like what makes me different than everyone else out here? And it was my project management background, you know, of knowing how to bring a launch to life, all the different angles you could look at it from, all the different players who need to come to the table, all the different moving pieces. And I have this because of my engineering background. I have this mind that's very, um, like I can easily look at a complex topic and break it into clear and easy to follow steps mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and who does which step and yeah. how do all the pieces connect together. And so that's just kind of how my mind works. So when I started looking at the world of online business and launching online, I realized most people don't have brains like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know how to manage multiple moving pieces. And so as they're trying to launch, they're struggling, you know, they're struggling in the four figure range. They're stuck there. They're not able to have the five and six figure launches they want. And I thought, oh, now that's really where I can help people. If you're not a structured thinker, Mm -hmm. you kind of need someone like me to help you out. Yeah, absolutely. And you're also extremely quantitative, you know, just in the 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 work that we've done together, you're always looking at the metrics and able to interpret them. And again, I think that's something um, not to be taken for granted because for those of us who are higher on the creativity and not so quantitative, that's like a whole foreign language. Oh yeah. And it can be intimidating. It can be something that a lot of entrepreneurs, they just kind of shy away from. They're like, oh, I'll figure that out later. And they keep pushing it to the side. And for a lot of people, it's why they they plateau or they get stuck. You know, mm-hmm. because it's not their zone of genius, but they're also not haven't leaned in yet to find someone who that is their zone of genius yes. who can help them out and fill mm-hmm. that gap for them. Yeah, so true, so true. So mm-hmm. you launched on your own around the age of thirty. 
No. Well, I, that's when I started dabbling okay. and learning and making all the mistakes. I, I launched what what's now like my signature program and my main offer in 2020. Oh, great year. In the height of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so it was almost like I struggled for the first six years, honestly. And, and it was me sitting down and having that moment of being like, what makes you different? How would a project manager launch a business? And then it was crystal clear. And my very first launch was gangbusters. Like it went amazing, right? And I just had to, I had to think it from that perspective. And what was your very first launch? Yeah, so my very first launch, and this is, this is kind of a, a weird story. I'm going to sound insane <laughs> okay. when I tell you this. So it's 2020. It's in the height of the pandemic. And I actually got married that year. Okay. I was planning a wedding during the pandemic. And I would—I mean, that was a and challenge. And launching a business. In and of itself. <laughs> so I actually launched my, my business off the back of a virtual summit. Okay. Um, which is about a three-month planning runway. So plus I was working that high-powered corporate job still. Still. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So corporate job, planning a wedding, and launching a business kind of all happening at once. And pandemic. <laughs> so wow. um, I actually launched my business the day after my wedding. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so they were on the exact same timeline, like ticking along. And, and this is going to sound kind of silly, but for anyone watching who maybe can relate to this, like you're going to get it. Um, my previous marriage, it was not, it was not a good marriage. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I, I didn't want to build a brand for myself with a name that I knew was going to change. Mm. So it kind of seems silly, but at the same time, like not really. You there know, was like, a method to the madness, right? That was not who I was deep down. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I, I was kind of hesitating in business. I think a lot of those six years subconsciously, mm-hmm. I didn't want to take off because I didn't want that name to be what was out there. Right. That was, right? right. So that's why I launched my business the day after my wedding. Because I was like, I am Adrian Hill. Like, this is who I am, right? And I was so excited to finally have that name. And that's like, I identified with it immediately. And let me tell you, it was fun interviewing all the people for my summit in the months and weeks leading up to the wedding to introduce myself as Adrian Hill over and over and over when technically I wasn't married yet, but it was uh-huh. coming. Right, right. So by the time the day of the wedding came, I fully 100% felt like Adrian Hill. It yeah, was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. You were living the character already. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I launched the day after my wedding and the magic about that, because I had basically been struggling and pivoting and repivoting for years. I, I didn't have a big email list. I had maybe like two or 300 people on it. And I, I don't think I'd emailed them in months. So it was basically a dead email list. I was starting from zero. Um, I didn't have a huge social media following. I just had never, I had tried building that, but it was, hit or miss. And frankly, I didn't have the heart for it. I just wasn't that interested. Um, So I was really starting from zero. Um, And within two weeks of getting married, I had an immediate thousand people on my email list. And I had earned enough money to pay for my my whole wedding. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. (laughs) I guess you did things right, right? Yes. No playbook on that, but you could write it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I, I wrote, wrote a brand new playbook and and it worked That's, perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, like a little side note, I'm really curious about this because it's come up before in personal branding. How come you didn't go back to your, your birth last name? 
in that in that process instead of waiting? Um, you know, that's a great question. Um, I just felt like I hadn't been that person either for over yeah. 20 years. Yeah, yeah. I felt like like the little girl Adrian. Right, right. Like in my mind, that was like the young girl, not yeah. the woman, maybe. Yeah. I, I guess well, I could have. Adrian Hill had the great ring to it, by the way. It just sounds, it's a catchy name. It's very celeb sounding almost, right? Take so, it. <laughs> so it's good. I mean, well, I, I you made a great choice, but it just was interesting that. Yeah. yeah. Now also my, my birth name, my heritage, I'm Finnish. And so Finnish names can be really different. Like <laughs> they're, they're not very common. So, so my birth name, my last name was Karsama. Um, there's like a, a Karsamaki in Finland. Um, so that's kind of where it came from. But um, so yeah, it was just such a kind of an odd name. And yeah. it, to me, it was just like, that was, that was my little girl name. That was right. not my name, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So did you take a honeymoon then? If you Actually, uh-huh. we weren't, we weren't able to because height of the pandemic. Oh, that's true. Travel yep. was down. Um, in the two years following, my husband went through a knock down drag out cancer battle mm. um so we couldn't take it then so i'm taking it in two weeks oh good where are yeah, you I'm going so excited. for three weeks uh we're going to punta cana oh beautiful that's yeah. amazing oh, mm-hmm. that's great finally happening i'm very excited <laughs> that's so good yeah so after that first launch and um your product offer right your ser- product or service offer was it um, it's a, it's a coaching program. Oh, that's right. The coaching program. Mm-hmm. So what did you do next to build the business? And when did you begin hiring a team? Yeah. So yeah, cause that whole process is mm-hmm. quite a process. And well, it's a never ending process. Yes. <laughs> I think we're ever done. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I launched a 12 month uh, group coaching program where I was essentially teaching people my launch method. And, um, in that first summit, I signed my first 10 beta clients. Uh, in about a two week time period. And so I had my group of beta clients. So for the next six months, um, I finished building out my beta program, working out the kinks, filming trainings, you know, guiding people through the process, figuring out where they needed more handholding and, and that kind of thing. Um, So but then I also put my launch systems, um, I was running like, uh, recurring Facebook challenges at the time and teaching uh, like a handful of master classes and that kind of thing. So I figured out, um, I streamlined those launch systems and I put them on repeat, just a rinse and repeat process. So I was still working the corporate job, building out the beta program, doing repeating launches every six weeks um, and fine tuning the process. And so I think I hired, my first hire was a VA and I want to say it was maybe like three months into the process. Okay. Um, but as soon as I had two or three, um, launches in a row that were consistently delivering, and I think I brought in about six figures in six months. Mm. And so, yeah, I launched in, it was September of 2020 and I quit my corporate job in April of 2021. That's great. It was like a rapid exodus. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, what you're doing with the summits um, is really such a way to to grow an email list very, very quickly. Uh, In a minute, I want you to break that down. But before we go there, I just want to ask with those early launches you were doing, were those evergreen or were you 
launching live each of them or how were you implementing at that time? I was launching live okay, um, because I knew like up until you have it really fine tuned and dialed in, you kind of need the live launch so you can read the room. You can see like, where are people getting really excited? Where are they kind of getting lost? Where am I losing my audience? You know, like you kind of need to like work out all the kinks. And so I knew it'd be more effective to do that, doing it live. Um, I think especially at the time, Everyone had cabin fever. Everyone was locked in at home. We were craving connection. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so I really wanted to create powerful moments of connection with my audience. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I was doing them all live. I mean, it was, it was a harrowing schedule. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I I refer to that time period as the shit show. (laughs) It was, (laughs) it, it was hairy. There was many nights where I was up till two in the morning working on things. So I could be up for my corporate job the following day. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. And I, at the time, I also launched, a had a huge launch in my corporate job that like exceeded all of the launch expectations and thresholds. And so was getting a ton of attention on that side. Um, and it's one really interesting thing happened too. The the better I did in my business and the better I got at launching and like selling to it, to, to a, an audience, the better I got at uh, managing all of the executives that I was working with in my corporate job, mm. Why right? And kind of selling to them and oh. learning to sell to the room there oh. as well. And so my career was actually really taking off. Oh. <laughs> um, and they just kept saying like, listen, I don't, I don't know what you're doing, but whatever you're doing is great. Like, you know, keep, keep doing it, you know? And so, um, so there was like a lot of pressure on, on all sides, yes. you know? It was crazy, actually. When And you were like, well, I'm sleeping less and I've launched a whole other business. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> but what do you attribute that to? I mean, aside from that stuff, do you think you just had built a whole new level of confidence because what you were doing online was actually, you know, converting and becoming something or? I think so. But also um, in my mind, like I was just getting really good at the art of sales. And to me, the art of sales is really just learning to put someone else's needs above your own Mm -hmm. in the simplest sense, Mm -hmm. learning to speak to what someone else needs to hear, um, learning to deliver what someone else needs to improve whatever their situation is. And so the better and better I got at that on the business side, the better and better I got at that on the corporate side too. I mean, I'd go into these, these big review meetings where I'd basically be asking the sector president for like, 30, 40, 50 million dollars at a, at a pop. Um, and I remember this one particular um, meeting I went into where I was asking for a large amount of money. Um, and I was competing with all the other project managers there. They all wanted a similar amount, but we couldn't all get it. It wasn't going to happen. Um, and I just tapped into all those skills, sales skills I had, learning how to read the room, you know, learning how to give the audience what they needed. And not only did I get the money, I got a standing ovation at the end of the meeting. Whoa. And I was like, damn, like this feels pretty good, right? Um, So it was just a really, and it was an interesting place to kind of practice those skills. Yes. Um, So yeah, and 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 then it was also really satisfying too when I was able to give in my my notice. Yeah, yeah. Um, And everyone was really kind of confused. They're like, "You're doing what? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now just come back if you want to." Like they didn't think what I was doing was legit. They couldn't imagine a world where. Mm Someone could just go from zero to six figures in six months, in six you know? months, right? Right. But when you're not a part of that world, you're not a part of that world. It doesn't even enter yeah. into your 
process. You it's know? so true. And there's such a massive infrastructure in that world too, right? Where it, you know, I think especially in a senior role, it's very hard to imagine not having that infrastructure under you to be able to do your own job, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's funny too, people who are like okay with the status quo and they like having a job and the nine to five security and all that stuff. They think entrepreneurs are just right out of their minds. Mm-hmm. Like they think we're nuts, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and of course, once you live in this world long enough, like we all think they're nuts. Yes. It's so true. You can't imagine <laughs> going back to it, right? Uh, no, but we're also comfortable with a level of risk that they yes. would never never, never would they, you know, they're just, they would never do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. So let's break down uh summits and how those work and how you're using those to profit, you know, grow and scale your own company, but also help others grow and scale. Yeah. yeah. So summits are, you know, the reason I kind of landed on that as my strategy is when I asked myself like, okay, how would a project manager launch an mm-hmm. online business? I thought, well, at the heart of project management, first and foremost, you're not relying on one person to get everything done. You have a cross-functional team. Everyone plays their role. Everyone brings something valuable to the table. So you're not relying on one person. You're relying the, on the leverage of many people. So I thought, okay, what would the online version of that be? And that's exactly what a summit is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're, you're creating leverage with a large group of people coming to the table and creating something really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so in essence, I mean, that's what a summit is, right? And, and the thing about summits, they're, people either don't know they exist at all, or they're highly misunderstood, or they've tried them, they've done it incorrectly, they haven't gotten great results, and therefore it has a bad reputation. Um, most people I talk to, like kind of their knowledge of it falls into one of those three categories. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like any other business strategy, if you execute it well, you'll get great results. Mm-hmm. If you execute it like shit, you're going to get shitty results. Right. Like, it's, just, it's the truth of anything that you do, right? Yeah. And so I thought, okay, let's create leverage. Let's create scale with this. You know, I don't want to just sit there and hustle myself to death 24-7 on social media and just like hope something sticks. Like that is, that's not the project management way, right? Yeah. Um, so I brought together my very first one. It was a panel of 20 uh, speakers mm-hmm. and we all brought like the best of our knowledge to the table in various areas. So you could almost think of it as like, it's a lot like this podcast interview. Mm-hmm. It's just instead of one, you have 20, you have 20 all at mm-hmm. once. Right. Um, and so it was a really powerful interview series. The audience loved it. They got so much value from it. And the nice thing about it is as the host, every single person signing up for that event flows into your email list. Mm-hmm. That's how I built an email list of a thousand people overnight. And mm-hmm. I shouldn't say overnight. It took two weeks. Okay. So, mm-hmm. and every time I do this, I add between one and 2000 names to my list in a two week time period. So my, my email list has grown so rapidly. <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy, but we'll kind of shelf that for now. So it's really just creating scale. It's bringing all these people together to bring amazing value to the audience. So the host gets the entire pie, essentially. Whereas each of the speakers gets a slice of the pie um, because they all have an opportunity to be on stage. The spotlight is on them. They're being you know, featured as an expert in their area. Um, their interview, of course, is really, really powerful. And then at the end of their interview, they're able to offer 
um, some sort of a gift. We call it a gift, but what it is, is it's their best converting lead magnet, whatever that is, right? And so people watch the interview, they love it. And at the end, they're all downloading their lead magnet. And so every speaker, every contributor gets a, a list build as well. And typically it can be dozens, if not multiple hundreds of leads um, all flowing in. So the other thing that's really magical about this that people don't quite get when they first look at it as a strategy is like you and I, right, we're, we're talking on your podcast. And so when it comes time for this to to air, mm-hmm. you're going to promote it to your audience. Mm-hmm. I'm going to promote it to my audience. So immediately we have two times the lift. Right. Because we're inviting. Yes. Well, in a summit with 20 contributors, now you have 20 times the lift. Right. So that's how things get so big, so fast. Um, and so it's, I mean, it's a great business building tool. Um, it's also a great networking tool. I mean, I had an immediate network of people who, even though I was brand new, technically, like I was just launching, they all viewed me as peers, as an equal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you're inviting them basically to your platform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm giving, and the nice thing about a summit is, especially if you have 20, 30 contributors, something like that, you can say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a reach of 150,000 people. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get you in front of up to 150,000 people hailed as an expert. You're going to get to build your list. I mean, who, who would say no to that? And you're doing that without having a list yet, right? Because you're inviting basically 20 people to the stage knowing that each of them are going to be promoting that content to each of their stages, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great way to, to start. Yeah. If you've been thinking to yourself, I wish I had a personal brand that was easy to articulate and really captured all that I do, then look no further. Check out www.thebrandid.com today and sign up for a brand strategy session. We work with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, authors, and speakers all the time. And we have been doing this for nearly 15 years. We love the work we do, and we would be so honored to help you uncover and define your personal brand. So check out www.thebrandid.com today and sign up for your brand discovery session. And the other fun thing about it is it's a free event, which is why you get so many people signing up and watching these interviews. But the minute people sign up for the free event, they're offered a very low cost VIP ticket. Mm -hmm. If they want all the replays of all the sessions and they want all the list of all the the free gifts all in one place, you know, it's it's convenience. And there's always a percentage of people who purchase that VIP ticket. Mm -hmm. So you basically get paid to grow your email list, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I've earned anywhere from ten to $94,000 wow. running a summit. And you're the only one selling the VIP ticket, right? Because mm-hmm. you have all the recordings. Yeah. Okay. So my very first one, I earned about 10000 Okay. Um, I would say on average... Most of them vary from twenty five to fifty thousand, but I, I did have that one. It was so close to being a six figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "Dang, why was it ninety four instead of a hundred? But you know, <laughs> this will be I'll, the year. I'll happily take that. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, come on, it was what two, three weeks work for you to get that? 
a little bit longer. Um, well, the promotion longer. period is two weeks long. Yeah. And then the, the planning period thing. leading up to that is about three months. But here's what I loved about that. Um, like, remember, I, it was pandemic. I'm planning yeah. a wedding, running this corporate job, all those things. It was three months of work I could do behind the scenes, yes. low key, like no one really knew what I was doing. It was kind of, it's kind of like a stealthy thing. Yeah. To- any time you know of day you could do it too. Yeah. I could be working at it at two in the morning yeah. or I could be working on it over my lunch hour at work. Like it doesn't matter. I, it's, right. Unlike mo- what most people teach is like, just crank out social media content 24 seven. And so your face is plastered to a camera all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and you're very, everything you're doing is very public. Mm-hmm. He says, this is like under the radar. Yeah. Right. Um, I didn't necessarily want all my, my corporate networking contacts to know exactly what I was doing until I was yeah. ready for them to know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I loved that it was kind of like an under the radar strategy as a new person launching with a busy life. That was perfect for me. Right, right. Um, but now even as a more experienced entrepreneur, I still use this strategy because now my support team does 99% of the work. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is interview people. Mm. Like, why wouldn't I keep doing it? Right, right. <laughs> it's so easy, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How, that, those first couple launches, how did you have... Or, how did you attract more? Um, how did you attract people? Did you run ads to the summit itself or to the challenge itself? Or did you have the people you interviewed also help promote the summit? Oh, that's a great idea. So yeah, that all the people featured in the summit are always promoting it. Yeah. Um, so that's, you never need to run ads to a summit. Oh, okay. 100% organic, 100% free, zero ad spend. I thought and that's one of the things I love about it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so if you don't have a big like marketing or ads budget, like mm-hmm. a summit is perfect for you. Mm-hmm. Because remember, it's all the other speakers who are promoting it. Mm-hmm. So no ad spend required. So I took the money that I made from that summit. Granted, some of it paid for my wedding, which was nice. Um, but then I, I set aside a chunk of that to pay for the first round of ads to fill the first, the next launch I was going to do. Okay. But here's the nice thing too. When you run a summit, you have this huge email list, right? All these hot new people on your email list. So I was inviting all of those people to my next launch also. So I got to like double dip. I got to invite everyone off my email list and I got to run some ads to fill it. So I had a really big audience in each of my lawn, uh, rounds of launch. Um, so So that's how I was filling all my launches. And then I would... From each launch, I would set aside a portion of what I earned from that launch to feed ads for the next round of launch. Okay. And it kind of leapfrogged over itself. So are, are you choosing, or did you then make the decision to run ads later on just to grow the audience? Yeah, I mean, ads do have a place in your business. Okay. I, I would say my my foundational strategy that what I anchor my business on is summits, yeah. which don't require ads. Mm-hmm. But like realistically, you can comfortably host about four per year. Okay. So it's in between those four. Yes. That I'm running ads. Got it. Okay. To keep lifting. So I always use a little bit of the money from the summit. Mm-hmm. Set it aside for the, the ads in between up until the next summit comes. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's the difference, Adrian, between a summit and a challenge? Ah, a summit is is 
you could you could call it a summit, you could call it a conference, you could call it a docu series, but it's it's just multiple panelists or contributors coming together to share valuable knowledge. Versus a challenge, to me, it's like Facebook challenges are probably the most well known. You could call it a challenge, a workshop, or whatever you want. That's more of just, um, or you could call it a live launch. You know, mm-hmm. I know like Kelly Roach coined mm-hmm. the live launch term. That's more of a, it's a specific launch event. You're the only host. You're the only contributor. You're inviting people to come and learn from just you. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, I have four summits per year. Mm -hmm. And then in between, I have these, these live launches or these challenges Mm -hmm. continuing to fill my programs. And when you do a challenge, what do you sell in those? Oh, you, I sell all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, I sell my higher ticket programs. I sell some lower ticket um, entryway offers. Um, you, you can sell just about anything. My, my favorite thing to sell in a challenge is either a high ticket program or what's called a feeder offer. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like your, your like mid ticket offer that lets people get to know you a little bit, see what your style of coaching is like. And of course they can always upgrade into other things thereafter, but mm-hmm. um so, so yeah, I have a launch coming up in the near future where I'll be, I'll be selling more of like that mid ticket mm-hmm. feeder offer. Um, but, but you can, I mean, you can sell just about anything. You can even sell low ticket and you'll get crazy conversions on that. But I think it's a better use of time for mid to high ticket. Okay. Mm-hmm. So would you consider your business a service-based business and somewhat of a product-based business or? Um, the, the, the primary bulk of my business up to this point has been, um, coaching. Yes. Although just in the last 12 months, we've started layering in, I, w- I would start to, it's evolving into an agency, I would say, because mm-hmm. um, there are lots of people who find us and they're like, oh my gosh, I love this summit strategy. I completely want to host a summit. That sounds amazing. And I want to do it, but I don't want to do it. Right. Like, can you just do it for me? And actually, when people started asking that, I realized I'm like, you know what? We have this, I mean, we have this massive project management timeline behind the scenes. We know exactly when every single piece is going to happen for us. It's so easy. Yeah. Like, sure. Like, why wouldn't we just plan sure. them for other people if they don't want to do it? I mean, right. that's fine. Right. You know, yeah. it's one thing to learn to do it yourself. It's another thing to just have it done for you. Right. So we started slowly layering in more and more done for you services for the people who are like, my brain doesn't work that way and mm-hmm. I don't want it to. Can you right. just... <laughs> just yeah. do it for me. Yeah. How did you, as a as a newish entrepreneur in the last couple of years, how did you figure out what to what your price point should be in selling your offers? You know, that is such an interesting question. I feel like price points are one of those topics. It's like 50% logic, 50% yeah. emotion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um because there's, there's many times, like when I, I set my first price point at like, at the time, even though I was super confident in my abilities and I knew what I was doing and I knew I could get results in the back of my head, there was this little voice that was like, but until you have client results proving it, mm-hmm. not allowed to charge very much. Like, yeah. you know, that's what the, I could see that. Yeah. You know, that little inner voice was saying. Sure. And so I started my pricing really low. But then, of course, it only takes you a couple months of running that program and doing the program delivery and looking at the costs of the delivery yes. for you to go, eh, it's time for a price increase. Yeah. And the time. Right? 
yeah, and the time it takes and all those things. Um, and I realized like, if I don't take a price increase, I'm not going to be able to ditch the corporate job. Mm-hmm. And if I don't ditch the corporate job, I'm not be- going to be able to give my best to my clients. Mm-hmm. Like they need more of me right? to find a way to unlock that. Yeah. Um, so it's part logic, part emotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you just have to resonate like what, what dollar amount energetically do you respond to and go, yes, that feels like a, that feels good. Yeah. Me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's funny because I was even talking with a mentor recently. I had a VIP day with her and she, I was talking to her about this feeder offer I was preparing mm-hmm. to launch. Um, and she wanted me to charge like five times more for it than I was mm-hmm. about to charge. And I said, well, I, I just want to launch it here to kind of get through beta phase, work the kinks out. And then, then I will, I will increase the price. And she was like, you seem to think this is a negotiation. It's not. And mm-hmm. you're going to charge this much. Like, do you know the value of what you're giving people? And I was like, what? You know, like it's, it's, it's a tough topic. Yeah, actually, to it is. Out. It is mm-hmm. tricky. I totally agree. Well, yeah. that's great that you figured it out. Thank God for good mentors, right? Who are yeah. helping you like push your comfort zone a little bit around <laughs> things like that. Cause your expertise is very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything just looking back, say on the last uh, three and a half years, you would have done differently in launching your business? I did go through a phase. It was while my husband was going through cancer treatments. And I was like, just logically, I thought, you know, I'm just not emotionally, I'm not energetically prepared to show up and live launch every six weeks. Like I don't have it in me. Yeah. Like I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like mm-hmm. he's sick. I'm tired. Like I can't. Yeah, I can't run my business as usual. And so instead, I, I leaned it really heavy on the ad spend side because that's easy. You just flip the switch, you turn sure. the ad on, you flip it off, it's off, right? And so I my my business still grew that year. I mean, my my top line grew, I think almost 150%. Amazing. But my bottom line profits shrunk. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, once you start playing with ad spend like right. that, right. and I'm talking like, $20,000 a month in ad spend, right? Yeah. Um, it brought in tons of clients, which is great because it kept the business going while we were doing yeah. this cancer battle. But in hindsight, it demolished my profits, mm-hmm. right? Like I treated it a little bit too much like an easy button and I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. But I was so mentally overwhelmed right. that I was just like, I, I can't even wrap my head or like, I just can't even, you know, I think yeah. we've all been in those yeah, moments. Totally. And so this year I'm kind of returning to my bread and butter, the idea of these, these repeating summits, these mm-hmm. repeating rounds of launches in between, um, still having some ad spend, but more of a reasonable amount. Right. Right. Um, but you know, we all learn from our, our lessons and I, I got that lesson for a reason. Absolutely. In the exact moment I needed it. And so it is what it is. So I, so it's not that I wouldn't spend money on ads. Sure. I would just be a little bit more judicious about what I was spending, how often I was spending and like tracking the numbers on the back end. Right. To understand like once it works its way all the way through your P&L. Right, right. Yeah. So I would definitely do that differently if I could go back. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. hindsight's always twenty twenty, and And that strategy met the need that you needed filled at that moment, right? But that's a great lesson. And, you know, I, even 15 years in, there's things that I... I still learn in serving clients and you have to make an adjustment to a contract or a proposal or 
you know, whatever it might be. And and I think that's the excitement of entrepreneurship too, right? It's like, we're always learning something new and a better way to serve our clients and run our businesses and just kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat that way. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, you know, I, I think back to my corporate days where they always said like, oh, it's pay for performance. And right you're performing well, you'll get paid well. But then when it came time for raises and promotions, they go, well, your performance was really good, but we can't, we just can't afford to give you a raise this year. You might have, so it was kind of like a big lie, right? (laughs) It's just a big fat lie. Um, But in the entrepreneurial world, it is absolutely 100% of the time pay for performance. Yes. So true. So true. Always. Yeah. And so like, Instead of like in corporate, I would I would get feedback. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, thank you for the feedback. I'll mm-hmm. consider that. But it kind of goes in one ear and out the other because you know pay for performance is just baloney. Right. But in the entrepreneurial world, every time you have a failure, every time a lesson comes in, every time something yeah. falls apart, like you grab those learning moments and you like treasure them. Yes, yes. Totally. Because that's exactly the thing you need to improve your performance, right? Right. Like I'm so much more receptive to failure, yeah. To um, things going wrong, um, looking at whatever is happening, and just even if it seems like a disaster, mm-hmm. uh, and it's funny. Like my leadership team, they're like, "Like, wow, this is just kind of become how we operate. Like things could be falling apart all around us, and we'll just say, okay, why is this happening for us?'" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason it's happening for us, like to benefit us. What is that reason? And we always come up with the most incredible learnings when we ask that mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, it's just, it's just, it's a totally different way to think and live and learn. Yeah. So true. Wise mm-hmm. words, my friend, wise words. <laughs> what do you all have coming up next um, that people may be interested in, in buying or, you know, ways to learn from you in? Yeah, sure. So um, one of the things I have coming up that I'm pretty excited about, um, of course, every quarter I have a summit. (laughs) So um, we'll we'll have the Business Breakthrough Mastermind uh, coming up in the spring. So that'll be a fun one. Um, But even prior to that, I'm going to have a workshop called the Vertical Launch Lab, Mm. where I basically, it's a three-day workshop. It's intensive. I mean, it is three Full days. Okay. But I literally pull back the curtains and I show you every little piece of how you can basically use that summit model to have a vertical launch, just like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, once I decided I wanted to leave corporate, I was like, within six months, I want to be out of here. Right. That's pretty vertical. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, um, so I show you the ins and outs, all the nitty-gritty details of how you can set up your own vertical launch in your business. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. We will look out for that. And where's the best place to learn more about you online? Yeah. If you're just finding me at at some random time, I, you know, in between my launches, for example, um, you could just go to buildalifebydesign.com. And uh, that's kind of where, so it's like our main, it's our main website where we'll, we'll always keep it updated with whatever our most recent um, classes or workshops or that kind of stuff are happening. Um, And you can just learn a little bit more about, uh, the project management side of of launching and scaling a business. Which is so, so important. My goodness, you can't have a successful launch without great project management. Yes, yes, very true. Well, thanks so much for being on today, Adrian. Yes, thank you for having me. I hope it was helpful. And, um, you know, I'm, I look forward to, to answering questions your audience might have and staying connected, of course, inside Kairos. 
and um, and featuring you in in upcoming events as well. Looking forward to it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to The Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.